everybody. Welcome back to the great and terrible AHS. Dark Cousin is the episode we're talking about today. Didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, let anyone forget before anyone else talks. It's it's Dark Cousin Day, everybody. <laughs> Congratulations, you made it. I'm sorry, I had um, I had terror just run through my body at the words Dark Cousin. <laughs> Thinking about Schwartz Cousin. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, this episode, um, goddamn nothing happens. Not only, I would say not only does nothing happens, things actively get reverted to earlier states in the show. Yeah. And also like, uh, I like going through it. Like when I was like in my mind tallying, like, okay, what was the grand sum of this episode? Like, what did this episode establish? What plot lines did we open? What plot lines did we close? Etc. Um, only one plot effective thing changes, and it's not really even that plot effective. Well, I take it back. Uh, two, technically, but like you said, one gets reverted in the episode. It like does uh, a rewind, and we end up exactly where we started <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> um, but I guess let's let's get into Dark Cousin. Um, it's the opening is like a little weird. Um, so two nuns that we've never met before that have their own agency are like talking yeah. to each other. So this is so weird because it straight up made me think like, oh, God damn it. This is another point in time in Briarcliff. And it's not. Yeah. Um, but Briarcliff <laughs> is just so antiquated that as soon as there are multiple characters I don't recognize, I assume it's the past. Yeah. Which is just like an unbelievable payoff to accidental anachronism. It's just like I, I, I passively think everything's a fucking flashback. <laughs> yeah. And it's wild because like they have them talking from like the start as like characters i at first i was like did i accidentally click on like an episode or two ahead like these characters are talking like they're characters i should know um because they're having like a full-fledged conversation about like one of them going to like a play or something um and they even have names in the credits of fuller and blackwell that won't matter they're only in one scene um and they like walk into the sick room i don't know what else to call it like the room where they put sick people it is not a flashback by the way it is present day um because grace is there and she's like got a fever and when they pull her blanket back uh she is just bleeding from her coochie like so much like so many uh so like, many blood like <laughs> It's, like, gotta be at least, like, a liter and a half. Like, more blood than someone can feasibly lose at one time without giving other very blatant signs that they're doing bad. Which, to their credit, Grace looks like she's pretty bad <laughs> before they get to her. Um, and, yeah, they just pull up the thing and, like, they have a reaction of, like, oh, that's quite, oh, that's no good. And then later pivot it up to, like, she's gonna die if we wait for someone to get here. <laughs> like, an ambulance <laughs> is gonna be too slow. Um, they have a quick exchange of, like, oh, should we get Dr. Arden? And the other nun just turns to her and goes, Dr. Arden's probably the butcher who did this. Which, like, <laughs> so everybody just knows he's useless? Like, yeah. so what is he doing here? Like, is that... Because the whole thing about, like, having a cover is you need to, like, do the cover <laughs> mm -hmm. or else it's not believable as a cover. So, like, if he's in here doing, like, weird Nazi science, but his cover is that he is the doctor of the place, the best way for that cover to work is to be an effective doctor <laughs> so that people don't question your shit. But instead, he's just like, nah, I just chop motherfuckers up left and right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's fine>. yeah. <laughs> yep. my, my sewing skills are impeccable, he says, as he just absolutely does a trash job sewing up 
<laughs> Shelly's <laughs> legs. As he gets some fucking polyvinyl wire and <laughs> rips it through <laughs> someone's flesh. Yeah, this is a stitch. Enjoy. <laughs> Are you ready to meet the lady of the hour? <sighs> um, so we're about to introduce a new character. The um, Not the dark cousin. Um, the, the opposite, <laughs> the Mario to the Wario of this episode, um, allegedly. <laughs> um, Francis Conroy has not been a character yet in this show, and we're on episode six. Uh, so now it's time for her to be a character. In case you don't remember who that is, that's Moira from season one. Um, she's a character whose name I'm not even going to bother saying, um, but we're going to call her the Angel of Death because that's how she's credited in the credits of the television show. She does say it. Um, this, I, I would describe this character as being here purely for aesthetic reasons. Someone had a design they thought was fucking sweet and Francis Conroy hadn't been in the show yet and they were like, good news, we can knock out two birds with one stone. I, but, what it, but what will the angel of death do for the plot if all she does is functionally show up and tell people, okay, time to die, and then they leave? Nothing, you might say. That's a great point, Mega Man. Well, <laughs> my... My personal theory <laughs> is that um, they they were making this episode through storyboarding, having the table reads, and Frances Conroy showed up, and she's like, um, where's my part? And they're like, what? And she goes, you guys signed my contract. You paid me already for, like, season two. And then some exec producers thought that we paid for Conroy. You put Conroy in, and somebody threw up their hands and said, you, she could maybe be the angel of death. Why not? Yeah, um, almost so, like like maybe they wrote another character for her, and then they ended up having to like get that character out, so they had to make a new one or something. Here, here's so they just have her appear as like an older lady in uh, mourning dress, so like you know stuff you would wear to a funeral. Mm -hmm. um, and she just kind of leans over and is like, "Okay, are you, are you ready to go?" And Grace goes, "Yeah, sounds tight. Fuck me up, see bad or not? Uh, they're um, yeah, Grace. Uh, yeah, Grace. Just like, yeah, right. fuck me up, see bass. I'm ready to go." Um, and as she's leaning over to give her, uh, the kiss of death in the most literal way possible, which God just, uh, oh, I know writers who use subtext. <laughs> Cowards. Cowards, all and, of them. Uh, yeah, one of the nurses in the room, uh, just raises her hand and it's just like, Jenkins! and just punches her in the chest and she pops back up. <laughs> like she just hit her in the heart with the fucking adrenaline syringe. I laughed so hard because I forgot that's what happens. I was like, I don't think that's like proper procedure. If you think no. someone has like an like infection, of a fist and lets it rip. Yeah, like you, it is absolutely just she like punches her in the chest, and like that's not how chest compressions work. Like it's you pump it repeatedly till it gets in also, line with about where it should be. She uh, isn't like having cardiac arrest or asphyxiating. She's, she's dying of blood out. loss. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, there's not going to be blood pressure, so like you extremely would need to keep the pump going um but no this uh this nun charges up with a little bit of holy healing and just blasts her in the chest with it <laughs> she's good so um, you know um, by the way any if, if the angel of death here is going to appear in a few more scenes every single scene we are treated to the open the the computer graphics that are beautiful oh, where her wings. fucking wings oh, come out the wings and it's so annoying because it literally happens in every scene she almost every scene she's in and it's like even if i could buy that there is some majesty behind this or something cool it's like it's so the effect is so dulled because she's in this episode a bunch and it happened it's like so annoying 
at the like, end of it. If maybe the wings showed up at like a different point, they might be cooler, but it's always like right before she's about to smooch somebody. Like if someone mm-hmm. was like maybe like looking, like checking the dark corners for the angel of death, like worried they were about to die and they like saw the shadow of a wing like take over the window or something like maybe that would have some like impact but like literally these giant cgi wings that look like maleficent wings just keep like spawning on her back every time she goes to smooch someone but by the way shadow the hedgehog or whatever her name is which oh we think we're going later right (laughs) Um, close enough. Uh, I'm just going to check my watch. Um, wh- where were you the previous six episodes when everyone else was dying? But, you know, why does Grace get this, like, brushed with death? Bored. Yeah. yeah. Tired. Doing other shit. Um, also didn't want to kiss any of them. The rules for this character are so fast and loose. Cause, like, <laughs> oh, they suck so bad. First of all, yeah, in so... Fact, I will just say, this first time she shows up, it's just because someone is about to die and then doesn't. No other rituals have taken place. Someone simply was on the verge of death, and so uh-huh. death showed up, and they said, okay, I'm out. Just keep that in mind. There's no, like, ritual required. Nobody had to, like, set up any candles, do any chants, write anything on any walls, you know, anything like that. That's so crazy. Um, maybe that will be relevant in a little while. Who could say? Um... <laughs> The opening sequence plays after Grace gets fucking punched in the solar plexus and brought back from the dead by a nun. Um, Maybe we should look into that nun a bit more. She seems kind of OP. Um, Arden is in his lab um, repotting his salvia divinorum. Um, (laughs) Which he calls out and I was cracking up because this is the this was the like delinquent get fucked up drug in high school because you could like get it a little bit off off on the internet you know of you know questionable legality and yeah let me tell you there's nothing quite like going under a bridge in an, on an indiana river and falling backwards through the earth into a cluster of stars and fighting the concept of loneliness i don't know what arden wants to do with it but like <laughs> it's it's not really like a good drug for like doing things it's really uh it's really a short-lived not doing a lot of things drug um not a good, not a good one. Not one I would re- really uncomfortable, unpleasant. Like it, if you've ever done LSD or mushrooms, imagine if those were like really unpleasant. <laughs> that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of it. It's just like a, a really weird choice. Like it would be like someone coming up and just being like, ah, yeah, I'm growing some horse tranquilizers. You'd be like, weirdly specific, man. <laughs> My favorite, ketamine. Um, that's young, just like Keith Moon. <laughs> He's like he's repotting it specifically because he's dog shit at growing plants, um, which is weird given that that's like the first thing we learn about him is that he likes to do plant stuff. Um, And Mary Eunice walks in and is like, what's up? You are a real dog shit doctor. You know that Uh, you've really fucked up Grace's (laughs) hysterectomy. And he's like, I didn't give Grace a hysterectomy. And Mary Eunice is like. No, her uterus is uh, definitely gone, Um, so you had to have done it. And then they, like, get in a little argument, and Mary Eunice is like, you seem to not understand which one of us is um, the boss currently. And he slaps Mary Eunice, and she's like, if you touch me again, I will fuck you up. And then he promptly fucks around and finds out and gets ready to slap her again. And then she throws him across the room with telekinesis. Hey, um, yeah. I feel like it was one episode ago when she was like, oh, I have some evidence in case uh-huh. you try anything, like trying to imply like she's human or hide the fact that she's a demon. But now she's like Jedi throwing him against the wall. 
Also, yeah. he never okay. mentions this again. Like, he's just like, huh, yeah. that was weird. A little nun lady just threw me with her mind. That's so crazy. Anyway, I have a hysterectomy yeah. to undo. She's just I, psychic, I feel too. like that would be, like, kind of thing number one if I was trying to create some kind of, like, super medicine that either makes people invincible or, you know, gives them abilities or some kind of super soldier serum. I think I would take an immediate interest in the very goofy little nun that now is very serious and can throw <laughs> me across a room with her thoughts. I would be like, hey, you what? actually, you know what? Fuck whatever I was doing. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk. Also, yeah. like, trying to decide if it's hot or if he doesn't care about it. And he's yeah. just like, all right, it's, it's net, Speaking net of zero. things that Arden thinks is hot, remember how, like, Arden was super horny for the weird little microchip spider that came out of Kit's neck for, like, four episodes and then just decided he never wanted to talk about it ever again and didn't care? <laughs> I'm done with this. It's yeah. gone. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, just decided he didn't Dr. care Arden. anymore. <laughs> flighty um, Hans Gruber, they called him. Yeah, he just decided this isn't important anymore. Much like the monsters in the woods, characters just arbitrarily decide, I'm bored with this thing. Um, it's not, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, this is where it cuts to, um, we're in the kitchen because there's only three sets on this show. Um, and there's a guy in there named Miles, and he's making sandwiches, and he's got hella voices in his head. Um, you may be asking, hey, what does this have to do with anything? Um it it doesn't and it's going to get a lot more confusing over the next 30 seconds um presumably that's why he's in the asylum is he's got like the he's maybe has like schizophrenia because it's very clearly his voice it's not like a demon's voice talking to him or something it's like very clearly his own voice in his head or like a projection of his voices in mm-hmm. his own head like it's not it supernatural is, like, it's, it's is what shown, i'm saying it is it is shown on screen as him yelling these things as himself it's yeah it's very clear uh that it's something along those lines and um so yeah he's yelling at the voices in his head a nun kind of turns around and goes hey you you okay and he like kind of just explains yeah i'm hearing the voices in my head again and it's like it sucks, man. And I I can't remember. She says something completely wild along the lines of like, ah, maybe you should just listen to him sometimes. You know, maybe they make some good points. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, he, and she goes like swearing about it because he says like, fuck. He doesn't say fuck, but he says something like that's that. That's right. That's that's um, what it is. She's yeah, like, well, swears, you don't have to yell. Right. He's, she's like, well, you don't have to swear at him. And I'm like, that is such a nun thing to say. That's such a nun thing to say. <laughs> like, yeah, just just don't swear at him. It's not going to do anything. Um, and then he, she's using like a weird rotary saw to like cut slices of bread, and he holds up one of the because they make they make bread there. Rem- hey, remember? Yeah. They make bre- <laughs> you just you cut bread with just like a fucking deli slicer, right? You it's know, not like a different tool entirely that you use you know to what? cut bread. You mean it's not a band saw, a vertical saw? Hey, you know what? Yeah. Even if it was, maybe don't bring that to the asylum. Yeah. Just, just or throw that out there. Or but, keep the yeah. guy who's actively yelling at the voices in his head near near it. Just a thought. Just what a thought. None of you want to have. A, none of you let me have any fun. I swear <laughs> to God. Just let me do one or two cool things once in a while. Jesus. No fun at Briar Cliff. All over again. Just <laughs> let me bring a rotary sign. What could happen? It's fine. This is why grinder. we had to cancel movie night. Also, where is Pepper? She disappeared four episodes ago, and no one oh, has brought well. her up since. We- 
We got other stuff going on. <laughs> Put it on the list with the with the chip spider. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the guy who's yelling at voices in his head, um, said, including the voices are saying such things as like, finally, you can do it. You can take action and make something happen, etc. Um, tries to tell the nun, hey, I think there's something wrong with the slices of the of bread. I think they're like a little bit wrong on the thickness. There's something wrong with the saw. Do you mind if I? You mind if I take a look at that? Uh, and she goes, no, that probably, he's like, nah, come on, I'm good with machines, let me look at it. She's like, I don't really think, nah, come on, just let me look at it. Okay. <laughs> and then she lets him look at it, and he goes, all right, I'm going to look at it with my hands, and then just jams his hand into the blade as hard as he fucking can, and we <laughs> just cuts to him, like, screaming and hooting and hollering. Um, who could have seen this happen? Who could have possibly seen someone getting fixated on a blade in a weird way, immediately jamming their hand into the blade? <laughs> After promptly yelling at the voices in his head, which were telling him to jam his hand into a blade, um, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, and so Frank um, goes, that's the security guard, in case anyone's forgotten, goes and grabs Mary Eunice and brings her downstairs. Because um, remember, Jude's not there anymore. So Mary Eunice is like acting as Jude's like fill in, I guess. Um, and she comes downstairs to come check on Miles. And Miles is like on a stretcher and they're like stitching him up or whatever. Um, and then she looks at the wall and on the wall, written in his own blood in Aramaic, is a name that Mary Eunice recognizes and Mary Eunice is like, did you summon her? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then she's like, put yeah, him in solitary confinement. From? Yeah. And she's like, where's this name from? I don't know. I just put it here. And like, she's visibly shaken by this. So she recognizes the name and what it summoned and like is shaken by this, which doesn't really make a lot of sense no. especially considering the interactions later like this yeah. scene, this spoilers i guess this would be like if i um walked out of my bedroom into my living room and like the name of one of my annoying cousins was written That's on exactly the wall it. Yeah. and it was and i was just like god damn it that asshole's <laughs> here like that would like that would be the correct level of response is just like son of a bitch not like oh no it's happening oh god those guys because she acts like the sky is falling and it's really weird and doesn't make sense later. Yeah, she acts yeah. like her one foil has been summoned. Um, and it's not. Um, and also, uh, a spoiler part two, it's the, it's it's death um, that he's written on the wall. But like her Hebrew name, um, which she'll say in a few minutes. We're about to get to that scene. Um, but what is confusing is like um, for all intents and purposes and quite literally this character is the embodiment of the angel of death like the actual one like an angel there will be there will be a conversation between her and Mary Eunice in a second where she's like yeah I'm a I'm a good guy I'm an angel and you're like the opposite of that ooh um, but like the angel of death as far as I'm aware, um, doesn't give a shit about demons uh, and also really kind of only has one job. Um, it's not like she's going to go snitch to Jesus. Also, maybe the most important facet of the angel of death is that it's a metaphor and not a person. Yeah. <laughs> it's or like a way to say like being softly. It's it's a nicety to talk about death. It's not like a character we made. But There's, it's not like Sephiroth, you know. <laughs> but you know what, too? Even though if I could buy an AHS world that the angel of death is someone, now that she's been summoned, she's taking them off the mortal coil. You know, like she was doing right before she 
she was summoned. Like, the summoning doesn't really do a whole lot except for this one interaction, I guess. I, it almost that makes happens. me wonder, um, and this is me completely speculating, and I'm sure people who are listening probably have more insight, and maybe even you guys might have more insight. Um, I never watched the show Supernatural, though I was, like, a teenager around the time it was very, like, popular in my demographic uh, of, of viewers, um, but I never watched any, so I only ever absorbed information about supernatural vicariously through like tumblr or like other people talking about it um but like this episode feels like what i imagine supernatural the television show is like like quite a bit um because isn't there a character i think there's a character in supernatural (laughs) who's like the personification of death or something um and it's very similar which i think i think he's like an old man dressed in black and it has a very similar like archetype Liz, as as this I character. Have, <laughs> I have not seen a single goddamn frame of the show Supernatural, but based <laughs> on the way you've described it, the vibe I've gotten from promotional materials, and the fact that the crux of your argument is that the American Horror Stories writers just stole something fucking wholesale and put it in the show, I'm going to say you're right. I'm yeah. not even going to say I believe you. I'm just going to say you are right, 100%. That's factual. <laughs> that's like, that's how strong the like vibe it. is. You're yeah. just, I don't need to look shit up. Yeah, you're just right. <laughs> and But like, American Horror Stories version is much less cool, because like, I've seen plenty of fan edits of the death character from Supernatural like pop up on my various social media feeds, and it's supposed to be like this cool, ominous character. Um, or even like there's that other show, uh, not Good Omens, but the other one that <laughs> by Neil Gaiman. I don't remember what the show is called, but also as a personification of death. American Gods? Oh, no. no. I uh, know what you mean. No, that is that, that is Good Omens, right? Because, uh... oh, no, no maybe Sandman, it's not Sandman, Sandman, Sandman. Yeah, Sandman, Sandman. Um, both oh, of those right, yeah. did a much better job, I believe, of personifying a character that is death. Um, somehow they just, it re- honestly... I know Ty was doing a bit. It does feel very Seth Rothy. It's like they tried to put Seth Roth in, <laughs> in the yeah, show. I mean, Liz, all the funniest bits have a bit of anchor in the truth, you know? Like, she even has a theme song that sounds like a little bit like Seth Roth's theme song that plays whenever it, she it shows is. up. Like It's a, she's, it's a shame because it is like half-winged angel, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't quite reach that, but, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, Would she's it have not- been cooler if she just had one wing? do you think would that be sicker if it opened up if but she, just on one if side if she came down and impaled grace on the muramasa you know like i think God. or she's about to and then the the, the nun smacked her real quick and she gets up just yeah yeah, yeah the nun, the nun, the nun the sword. Like, yeah she uses like a mccurry counter and just like throws the sword to the other side of the room <laughs> oh that would be sick that's not what they do but that would be sick but yeah so mary Eunice is like tilted about this and is like did you summon her and first of all um we've already seen her one time like ty said without being summoned so the fact that like they have this weird summoning sequence doesn't make any sense yeah Yeah. this scene was supposed to be first this scene was absolutely supposed to be first yeah this is the thing is i guarantee you this was planned as the first scene of the episode but then they realized upon watching it it's not really that interesting of a hook like it doesn't really work that well it doesn't really pull you in also because this show loves to center the opening scene around the non-major cast members right yeah like either people who are only in the story for framing or people who are in the story for one episode and then are gone which 
weird. That's exactly what this scene is. And also, if you put it at the beginning, it makes sense why everyone suddenly starts seeing the angel of death. So yeah, I'm convinced they just reordered the scenes because they thought the hooks weren't good enough. And um, because of that, uh, the, the character doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, because the summoning comes like after we've already seen her. Um, and then like... The, every character is going to see her from now on, basically. Um, weird that it's only happening now, but I guess it's because of the summoning, even though it doesn't make any sense in the terms of a timeline. Um, so Mary Eunice is tilted that he summoned her. Also, like, again, the voices in his head were not, like, demonic. It's not like Mary Eunice's deal where he's, like, possessed by a demon. He just has regular run-of-the-mill, like, schizophrenia. And... That is not an like the angel of death doesn't have to be summoned question mark. Uh, she just I, I assume shows up when someone's getting ready to die because um, all of her interactions with other characters this episode will lead me to believe that um she she'll just be there if you're about to die. Um, regardless, you don't have to summon her or yeah. anything. <laughs> She's like so tightly bound to the concept of the Grim Reaper that it feels weird that she wasn't doing this the whole time if she was there. <laughs> yeah. And the summoning like doesn't make any sense because you wouldn't need to summon her because she's not a demon first and foremost. And then um, secondly, um, she just shows up arbitrarily when you're about to die. That's kind of her whole deal. Um, but yet, uh, and also there's, I know we already said it, but like, there's no reason Mary Eunice should be like, ah, fuck. Cause like, it's the <laughs> angel of death. You're in like a hospital kind of like she's, she's probably already been here like a ton. Just you haven't seen her or whatever, but it's not, it doesn't matter. Anyway, she sends, she being Mary Eunice sends, uh, Miles to solitary for, I guess, summoning the angel of death. Yeah. Um, and because Miles has no idea what the fuck that means or why he did it. Um, and they strap him to a bed. And this is relevant for something that happens in a few seconds. Um, he they strap him to a bed. Keep that in mind. He's like tied down. Um, and he's like, Frank, he doesn't say this, I'm paraphrasing, but Frank's in the room and he's like, Frank, I don't want to be here anymore. And Frank's like, uh, well, you're crazy, so you gotta be in the asylum. Sorry. Um, and he's like, no, no, not in the asylum. I want to be dead. And Frank kind of, like, pats him on the back and is like, that's rough, buddy. Um, <laughs> and then leaves him alone, which, uh, I, the, the bar is in hell, truly, but, like, seeing Frank, the kind of, like, asshole, uh, security guard, like, kind of be nice to Miles for, like, a split second is like, ah, at least one person in this place is not a huge raging piece of shit, I guess. Like, he's the only person on the staff who's shown, like, any modicum of compassion for any character so far, even if it is just, like, a pat on the shoulder. Um, the only human interaction we've seen from any staff member in Briarcliff, period. Um, and it came from the guy who hates that women piss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here, here we are. One in the same hero of the people. <laughs> Frank, everyone's favorite character. Um, later that night, Miles is by himself and he wakes up and um, Death, because again, I'm not going to, she's about to say her name and I'm not going to say it for the rest of the episode, um, is just standing at the end of his. It's uh, me, Shashash. Yeah, Shashash. It's me, Shashash. Which um, is so close to Skaha that they use later that I was assuming they had like typoed it the first time and they were like ah oh, shit we fucked up guys and then they were like oh you know what that just means we can use the name again and like apparently it's a different thing allegedly and based on how we're saying it you might be imagining that it's like spelled like kind of wacky no it literally looks like you 
typoed the Lady Gaga character from Roanoke. Like it, it's so closely written, but like a few letters are like a little bit off. <laughs> um, and <sighs> she's just standing at the end of his bed. So this will happen several times. Three times, actually, this episode alone, and we'll get to them, but this is one of three, where she just shows up when someone wants to be dead, not when they're dying. And I'm like, I don't think that's how the angel of death works. I don't think the angel of death shows up when you just want to be dead. It's specifically like when someone has like a decision point, like when they're in the part of their life's dialogue tree where if they make one really bad choice, they're going to die. Like the angel of death just shows up and is like, hey, you want to do that? (laughs) Which is just, uh, I mean, seems really convenient. I would just always know if I was like, that would feel like borderline immortality. Just like, oh, if I'm about to fuck up bad enough that I find out the big way i'll have someone show up and be <laughs> like hey what's good ty uh here again already all right do you want to go no still okay you know what have a great one man <laughs> or like it, uh, that happens post- for two of the three of them but like one of them it's literally just like the character hates being alive at that point in time and wishes they were dead they don't have the means to do anything about it they're not actively dying they haven't received any grievous wounds they're for the most part like physically <laughs> intact um, they're just like she was just gonna I be just, so upset that she died. She was gonna yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that the implication here? Is that this character could have just like decided to be dead? It's a good thing we can't actually do that because goddamn, yeah. the world would be a different place. <laughs> what, what annoys me about it too is like, because what happens is after like um, when Mary Eunice is involved, like uh, sh- whatever Francis Conroy, Angel of Death, is like, like who are you? Like before she, like who are you that can look upon me? You know, mm-hmm. which is implying, like, only my dark cousin or another angel or demon or whatever could should be mm-hmm. able to see me. But she keeps fucking appearing in front of humans who, like, tell her, like, nah, I'm not, I'm good, I'm not ready to go. Or, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, like, and it's yeah. Like, that's so annoying because you directly contradict it in the same episode. Yeah, it's kind of also, like, makes the character feel even less useful or important or relevant when it's not even, like... The whole thing about having a Grim Reaper, right, is that it's terrifying when they show up because it means someone's going to die. Maybe not who you think, but someone in the scene is dead, and that's all there is to it. That's why the imagery of the Grim Reaper is effective at bringing forth this kind of threat. Um, That kind of fizzles when you have this character interact with nine people, and of those seven just go... Nah. It's, <laughs> uh, nah. It's I'm a, good, actually. And Do it like, this. I'm in, baby. Give me a kiss. One even <laughs> says, I'm in, baby. Give me a kiss. And then an un just goes, Jake! And just punches her in the chest yeah. so hard. This, this, <laughs> that this? means you can, counter, you can counter the angel of yeah. death. The angel yeah. of death is it's getting ready parry. to take someone, and someone can the, parry them on the your behalf. Yeah. Skill issue, I say, as I dive on the table and punch someone well, back to life. The way this, this character could work so much better, right? Is all you have to do is have her appear in more than just the one episode, you know, have the person she goes to always die, and then you have a character you care about toward the end that she appears in front of, and then the character, because then you give that tension to the audience, like, oh shit, uh, Lana, Grace, whoever is going to die now, because I've seen this happen before, but instead it's like here, and like the first time it's like, nah, forget it, it's totally yeah, not, don't worry about she's it. She's like this little goblin that shows up, and like other people can be like, no, 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 you can't take them yet, no, no, fuck off, she, they just have yeah, like a little spritz as, bottle, and they spritz, they're like, well, no, get out of here. She might as well just be a regular human nurse, like coming in like, are you dead yet? No, okay, thanks, just like checking off a list. It's like if... 
It's like if you were like playing The Sims and someone died and like before the Grim Reaper got to him, you like tricked the Grim Reaper to get into a swimming pool and deleted all the ladders. <laughs> it's just like not really an effective form of death when anyone can trivially just be like, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's also kind of <laughs> fucked up because it implies people only die if they're sad in the American Horror Story <laughs> universe. And like, that's weird. I don't know. I think a lot of people die on a good note, if I'm being real. <laughs> and also like the, she like active, I don't know. Sometimes she like actively, she being death, like actively tries to talk people like out of them wanting to be dead. And then sometimes she's like, no. It's time to go. Um, so, like, because typically characters like this are, like, very impartial. They're like, sorry, like, my, like, for example, the one in Sandman, like. She even says explicitly later on, I am just death. I yeah. don't judge. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the whole deal. The one in Sandman, like, is she's a very kind character. And, like, when she comes, people, like, recognize, like, oh, because she doesn't look all, like, spooky or anything. She's just, like, a pretty lady. And, but, like, people recognize, like, oh, shit, that's death. You're here for me, right? Right. And like sometimes she has to take like kids and stuff and like she doesn't get to choose. It's not like she picks who dies. She's not like the fates. Mm. She's just like, no, it's just your time to die. I'm just here to uh, to enforce it. I, I'm not like judging you like this is just me doing my job. Um, this this version of death is like, uh, how are we feeling? Get a temp check. You uh, you want to die? You feel like dying today? No. I have a vested interest in the resolution of this here narrative. So um, I prefer if you didn't, because I really like where your story is headed. I'm quite invested in it at this point in time. Yeah, it like makes no sense. It's just like she should either show up and be like, give me a kiss, homie. Time to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> time to kiss yeah. the homies goodnight. Or like just, <laughs> just not show up. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this the first time that it happens is here. Well, I mean, it tries to happen with Grace when it doesn't right, make any but, sense. Um, but, but the like the actual when it follows through is Miles. Um, and yeah. she's just like, "Hey, man. Yeah. You want to be dead?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I want to be dead." And she's like, "You could probably rip out your stitches. I'm just saying." And I don't know how he does because he's restrained to the bed. Um, but he does. He has like a huge gash down his arm. Yeah. Um, and he rips the stitches out and then bleeds out and he, she's like, ta-da, we did it. And then Mary Eunice walks in like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and then that's when she's like, yeah. who dares uh, gaze upon Shka? How can you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and Mary Eunice is like, uh, uh, I just, I'm built different. I'm just a nun. I'm built different and I can see you, I guess. Um, and then what's, what's wacky too, right? Is yeah. Cause like, she's like, um, she's like, you're holding this poor nun hostage kind of, she doesn't say it like that. Like she's offended by it. She's like, what, you know, you're, you're doing some shenanigans here, possessing a human. Right. And she's like, no, she's along for there. She likes it here. And then the real Mary Eunice like <laughs> gets a second, like, no, please take me. I'm ready to go. I can't live like this, you know, cause she doesn't want to be possessed. And she's like, Along for the ride, and it's almost like a comedy sketch in a way, because then like she like it comes back to possessed Mary Eunice, who's like, "See, all good, you know, ain't nothing wrong. Yeah, we're all good." The timing on this scene is so fucking funny because yeah, like you said, she like um, death is like, I think you're a demon inside a human body. Um, I think you're my dark cousin, and then mm-hmm. it, roll credits. Um, <laughs> and evil. By the way. A thing no one calls anything. (laughs) Dark cousin is not like, they act like that's a really hard line and it's just not. Like a real thing people say. It's not a thing people say. It's, 
yeah, like, I don't think, like, oh, yes, Jesus is dark cousin, Satan. <laughs> like, that's not anything, man. That's... <laughs> Oh my god. And like she's like, You're my dark cousin or whatever and then nasty Mary Eunice is like, No, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's going well here. And then real Mary Eunice like gets a moment of control over the Gundam and is like, Oh fuck, I wanna die so bad. Please let me out of here. This sucks so bad. I just wanna be the sweet release of death. Please save me. And then nasty Mary Eunice takes back over and is like, See, she likes it. It's good. <laughs> she's having such a good time in there. Um, and um, that's kind of the end of the interaction of these two characters. And yeah. it doesn't. That's it. I don't know why Mary Eunice was so freaked out when she just clearly went like, hey, are you a demon in there? Yeah. All right. Great. Just wanted to check, I guess. <laughs> Bye. And like, that's the interaction. That's it. Nothing happens. Like, it, you assume like, oh, it must be like death can simply go over there and be like, hey, get out of there, you scamp, and just grab the demon and pull it out or whatever. You know, like there's some kind of implication of a supernatural force that is beyond whatever demon is in Mary Eunice. Um, but then it just, yeah, there's no resolution to it. She just kind of is mildly and she's like, hey, why are you looking at me? Oh, that's why you're looking at me. All right. Have a great evening. <laughs> yeah, I'm just dead. <laughs> this isn't my job. See you later. Yeah, what a what a good interaction. Um, <laughs> also, um, because Arden is only in like two scenes this episode, they needed to have him back in. So we're back to Arden, and he's checking on Grace, who's in the sick room, um, <laughs> still and alive because she got punched in the solar plexus. Um, and she's like, "What are you doing to me?" And he's like, "Listen, everyone thinks I like royally fucked up your hysterectomy." Um, and I, if nothing else, am not comfortable with people thinking I'm a bad doctor. So I'm going to magically um, fix it. And Says man, <laughs> universally accepted by multiple nuns this episode that were previously unnamed as a bad doctor. Yeah. He does. Mm -hmm. He does in this scene somehow. He does fix it and like keeps her alive somehow. Um, Weird that like no one is like, okay, so if Threadson didn't do it. Or not Threadson. Um, if Arden didn't do it, um, who hysterectomy Grace? Because um, we only have one doctor that does that here. Um, maybe we should look into that. There's someone going around doing hysterectomies. Um, that's that's weird. Uh, we should look into it. No one does. Don't worry. Um, then it the, the plot goes off the rails, and we're done with Briarcliff for the time being because we're not gonna be back there for a significant amount of time. Um, we get a weird out of left field scene of Threadson um, forcing himself sexually on Lana um, and deaths there, too, for some reason. Um, just a really random scene that comes out of nowhere. Um, and then, then that scene's over. Uh, nothing happens. And then we're now we're now with Kit, who um, is has been arrested twice for serial killing. Um, keep that in mind. This is the second time he's been arrested for the same crimes. They're very sure he did them. Um, he's just kind of in his normal clothes in what they have listed as a detective's office nebulously. But the guy who he's talking to is talking to him like he's his lawyer. Um, he's not handcuffed or anything. He's just in his street clothes in just like a building. Um, free to walk around and do whatever he wants. That will be a problem in a few minutes, and you'll see why. Um, crazy that the man who was arrested twice for the same serial killings of, like, eight people is just allowed to 
kind of free ball it. Just uh, has the run of the place wherever the fuck he is. <laughs> He's just kind of free. No real restraints. Yeah, just do it. Hey, can I get you a coffee, Mr. President? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hands are not handcuffed. Nothing. Um. He's just well, allowed to be around. Killer, but we're not going to be rude. Like we don't have to be uncouth about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's just allowed to hang out. And the guy who's listed as a detective is like, "Hey, yeah, uh, here's our plan to make sure that you yeah. don't get the electric chair or whatever." Um, it says I'm a detective on my little thingy here, but um, I'm a lawyer. I guess the American Horror Story writers a don't know. Defender. Yeah, yeah, he's like a public defender. I, that's what he. That's what his position is. It's weird that they have him listed as detective because he's. Clearly just written as a public defender, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, either way, it doesn't matter, because Kit just bludgeons him to death with um, a stapler. Um, ta-da! Uh, I think the <sighs> only thing we glean from this is, like, he says in passing, because, like, Kit's kind of like, no, I have, like, character witnesses. My crazy girlfriend who also murdered her family in the asylum will vouch for me. <laughs> um, and he's like... Uh, that's not a great character witness. I'm going to be honest with you. Also, she's like sick and is going to die. And I don't know why this guy would know that Grace was sick or that she was dying. <laughs> um, but he does. And he relays that information to the man across from him who has been convicted or at least uh, arrested for killing a bunch of people twice. Um, not who I would assume is the uh, the cornerstone of stability um maybe not who i would want to give that information to but and it doesn't pan out well because then he gets bludgeoned with a stapler um kit who has previously (laughs) shown no proclivity to being violent in any way um in fact has gone very far out of his way to avoid such implications yeah decides to bludgeon this man who is um only trying to help him (laughs) With, with an you are tool. goblin kit. Goblin kit's on the scene. Here I go. I'm going goblin mode. Give me that stapler. Ba ba ba. Bada bing. Like it's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to the introduction of Goblin Kit, the weird, nasty adventurer kit that has not existed up to this point, but does appear today. <laughs> yep. And um, then that scene's over. It's understood because it will not show us the rest of the scene that leads up to the next time we see Kit. It is understood that after bludgeoning this man. He just escapes jail. Um, how? Who knows? Uh, he walks out. <laughs> yeah, he just charms he's... everybody. He's just a sweet boy, and everyone's like, "Oh, a sweet boy, let him go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he gets out of there. That's all you need to worry about is that he gets out of there. Um, we're back with Lana. Wow, this guy's like this guy's like a shining beacon of love, hope, and uh, everything that's not racist. We can't keep him in here. <laughs> yeah, man, this guy's great. We got to get him back on the street as soon as we can. Um. We're back with Lana, who's just kind of lying sad in Thredson's basement. Um, and then Death shows up. And Death's like, um, you want to just die? You feel like dying? And Lana's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I, that, would, that would be great. I would just love to die. And I'm like, this is the one where I'm like, she can't. Like, I guess maybe... I don't know, the angel of death could, like, death note her. Is she Ryuk, like, from death note? Can she just give Lana a heart attack? Or, mm-hmm. or could Lana just stress herself out so bad by thinking about everything that she would just explode like a guy in scanners? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, it would have to be one of those two things. And, like, if it's the first one that I suggested, that implies that people can just decide to have a heart attack, which, again, the world would be a much different place if you could just decide to have a heart attack and die. Um, 
but she's like, hey, you want to, you maybe feel like dying? And Lana's like, yeah, that would be good, I think. Um, and then she gets interrupted because Threadson comes back downstairs. And um, we get now a totally different version of Threadson, um, which I kind of wish had been the version of Threadson that yeah. we had gotten instead of the one it's we got last one. episode. It's yeah. way better. This- this is this is definitely Zach Kew nailing it. Like this, he's a good actor, man. He does really good work, and it's it's fucked up when in fits and flashes and bits and starts and mm. you know bits and parts, it just comes through as like, damn, that's good acting. Weird that it's here, but it's good acting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happens just, sometimes. I, I just want to say, rewinding back to like the assault scene ten seconds ago, start starting the timer there. The series of events that happens to Lana over the next ten minutes is the the most insane series of events I have ever seen happen to a character in this television show, um, which is saying a lot. Um, It's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, So Threadson comes downstairs. Again, he's a much better character now than he was uh, in the last episode. He's not a weird little whiny um, freak. It's not a mommy thing. He's just like a fucked up murderer, man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like freaking out about something and it's like I knew I had to kill you I knew I had to kill you of course I, I think, had to kill you why was I even thinking I couldn't yeah, yeah. I think yeah once I, he did that like through his mother figure he's like this isn't gonna work I have to let's let's be honest the best way out of this is I kill you and then we could just forget about the whole thing you know what I mean and then mm-hmm. so he's got this syringe and he's like it'll be painless don't worry if she gets in and they have like a struggle you know, and she manages to sha- strangle, but she manages to win the struggle. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he enables a struggle. He does everything he can to get in struggling range. Mm-hmm. It is <laughs> the worst idea possible. Like, he's like, yeah, I could just like hit you with a rock or like a big sword. I don't, he says explicitly, I don't believe in guns, which is very funny to me because it means even the writers realize like, yeah, he'd just shoot her with a gun. Why would he fuck around with it? What are you talking about? So they had to have him be like explicitly, I don't believe in guns. I'm like Brock Samson from the Venture Bros. I only use a single big knife. That's how I do everything. Um, and yeah, grabs like a syringe of something and then like gets in full like MMA mount on top of her on the bed and is like, all right, it's syringe in time. And just only holds <laughs> down one of her arms the other one she just grabs it's oh god it's so fucking corny too because while he's you know in, in it's it's stringent time part of it is he goes oh you can meet back up with wendy you remember wendy don't you your cool wife that you liked remember that and then like lana looks over to her right side and her right arm is free inexplicably and sees the picture and goes oh right the picture of my wife and then <laughs> grabs it and domes him with it and it's like the dumbest shit i've ever it sucks man it's so bad like jim kata had tighter writing than this it's asinine <laughs> Oh, my God. And then there's a quote unquote struggle. Um, and then she starts to strangle him with the chain that her leg is like shackled to the bed with. Um, and he like kind of passes out like a little bit. Um, but she doesn't bother to check to see if he's dead because why would she? Um, and then he, of course, because he's not dead, just gets up and like chases her and she manages to like escape somehow still. Um, he's not dead though. They want to make sure that we know that he's not dead. She kicked him down a flight of stairs too, but he's not dead. Um, and then 
she escapes into the woods and gets to like a, a road and runs out in front of a car. Um, you're going to think, as I tell you this, if you didn't watch the episode, you're going to think I'm <laughs> bullshitting you for the next 30 seconds. I am I, not. I promise. I blocked, I blocked this out, and then seeing this scene again, it opened right back up. God damn it. All right, every, wait. Let me preface this with, at the end of this scene, the resolution of the events is that Lana, or uh, it, it, yeah, she will be back in Briarcliff. Now you might say, how could she possibly go from escaping the serial killer basement to anywhere but, you know, either home or a police station? How in God's green earth would she end up at Briarcliff? Take a second. Think about all the clues that have led up to this point. Think about all the characters we've met, how they all interact. And, um, you know, write down your best guess. Really think about it. There's a lot of characters in the show, right? Um, all right, Liz, you want to you wanna tell us how we got here? It's a different guy, by the way. It's a new guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she uh, she lets a guy hit her with her car, or with his car, um, like a little bit, just like a teeny tiny bit. He just doesn't stop all the way, and she doesn't get out of the way. He just kind of bumps her a little bit. Um, and she gets Which into weird his- behavior, in retrospect, yeah. that he stops and takes a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Um, and then he she gets in his car and is like, hey, can you fucking drive? And he's like- uh uh and she's like can you fucking drive and she doesn't say like why she's just like can you drive which to be to be fair in this 1.5 seconds to him because i will give him no leeway after this 1.5 seconds Mm -hmm. um if someone just got in my car on a two-lane road in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere um and just told me to drive i also would be like uh 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 um they should definitely probably um, give me some information like, oh, I don't know. A serial killer is chasing me. Um, th- yeah. Then I might be like, oh, fuck. And then I would probably drive. Um, she doesn't. She's just like, oh, drive, drive. And he's like, OK, finally. He's like, oh, OK. And then he starts driving. Yeah. They For this scene to work, they have to do the most dipshit vaguety stuff in the writing where they're like, all right. If the driver of this vehicle ever catches on at a reasonable point in time that this woman is being assaulted and chased by a serial killer, it will probably override his shit as he has a new newfound sense of purpose because, hey, man, sometimes a bigger quest just comes up, you know? And, like, the, the scene falls apart as soon as a bigger quest shows up than his resolution. But, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. So just assume this entire time if it feels like, Oh, Liz is just wording it weird. Certainly Lana would have told him, I'm being chased by a serial killer right now, and I've been being held in his basement for two weeks. No, Liz isn't screwing up. Liz is correct. They're going very far out of their way to make sure none of this information is conveyed to the driver, which, again, um, backwards universe. People don't work this way. Especially not someone who just escaped, like, a serial killer's basement. Um, also someone who maybe, for example, has multiple recorded examples of being able to remember things and follow extra, you know, uh, tight extra instructions in like high stress situations. For example, being in Briarcliff for multiple months and remembering everything that happened to her with details and where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do as soon as she left. Like they could not have built Lana up more to be a character who would have handled this part correctly. <laughs> so it really sucks that she just really fumbles the ball so bad <laughs> um it's not all her fault though because he's driving and he's like 
Yeah. So where are you running? Like, what's going on? And he's like being kind of like persnickety about it. And she's like, oh, he, he's he's chasing me. Um, and she he goes, ugh, typical running for your from your boyfriend, probably. And he, she's like, no, not my boyfriend. And he's like, <laughs> what did you do to make him mad? And she's like, why do you think it's my fault? And I'm not like paraphrasing. I'm being literal. (laughs) This is why I think it's kind of both of their faults. Because um, if you are over the age of 25, at some point in here, you need to pivot to, hey, man, I'm sorry. We've got we had a miscommunication somewhere. I'm being chased by a serial killer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's just no way you can be like. Oh, you're angry at me? You don't even know what I went through today. Yeah, right? Like- yeah. He's like, it, everyone always, like, uh, believes women. Like, no one ever stops to think about how the man feels. And this it's like, so, all right, buddy. Yeah. Man. He's just like, women, the victim as usual. And it's like, <laughs> oh, just shut up. Why is this character here? Like, I legitimately was like, is this like a random wizard misogynist out in the field? Like they just yeah. like rolled one? Like yeah, there's just wizard an inexplicable himself? magic misogynist? Yeah, like they just like made a guy it- who's mad out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> it's 100% yeah. that because it's like, oh shit, we broke one out of the asylum and we're not even halfway through the season. We fucked this up. How do we get her back? Magic misogynist yeah. guy. And he's like, so women are always the victim, huh? Like, and then he starts like ramping up his weird little misogyny speech. And he's like, I caught my wife fucking another guy. And just goes off on this angry tirade about how he got cucked by his wife. And then he pulls out a gun and he's like, good luck jumping out of the car at 50 miles an hour. Um, and then yeah, she's like, can you, she's even like, can you just let me out of the car so I can leave? And he's like, that's how it always is with women trying to get out of the car when we're already on the journey. It's like, it's going into this weird, like tortured, my wife cheated on me, like diatribe, which like, Hey man, that is rough to go through. I feel that, but it's like such a bizarre, like pivoting it to like this lady you just picked up is like i'm scared and you're i can tell you're up to something can you please just let me out of your car fucking women always wanting to get out of cars and pee into her movies i swear to god how, how oh unlucky god. is lana though right because already the asylum thing happens and then she happens to meet the one doctor who's bloody face who isn't even really supposed to be there or not, well whatever gets captured escapes just into this guy's car it's like it's so contrived like <laughs> And he has a, he has a gun, and like obviously the implication is like, oh no, now he's gonna take out his like anger on Lana or whatever. And then Lana looks in the fucking back seat, and there's Death just sitting there, and Death is like shrugging, like sorry. And Lana's like, no. Which, um, before and as we will establish later, Death only appears and is only visible to the person who is on the cusp and verge of dying. So, according to these rules, Lana should not be able to see Death. In this scene just just also you know just so makes me mad anyone who's listening <laughs> knows um when the characters are talking to death it is literal there is a point in a few minutes where another character will be talking to death and other people will see them physically speaking mm-hmm. to an entity that is not visible to them um and comment on it so every character that is talking to death is actually physically talking to them not just like in their head having like a little monologue right. Um, which means yeah. that Lana looks in her back in the back seat of this car and is like, "No, not right now." To this man who has a gun in his hand and is driving very fast. Um, now, uh, 
Death doesn't offer any useful information here. She just kind of shrugs yeah. and goes, sorry. And then um, then the guy shoots himself, puts the gun in his mouth and shoots himself and the car crashes. Um, that's already pretty crazy, but I know what you're thinking. Which, um, Ty said that so we ended the- up at Briarcliff, right? How did we get there? Yeah. Great question. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so took her there. there were no other hospitals <laughs> within a hundred miles, I guess. Cause yeah, like a car crash, you don't usually take someone who got in a car crash to an asylum. You know, you usually take them to a hospital, <laughs> you know, a place of like that kind of medicine, you know, that the good stuff, <laughs> you know, like probably, probably where you take her. Um, yeah. Also like the thing I hate about this is when we were talking earlier about like death and how you can use a death or a grim reaper character, part of it was you can, you know, like have them show up in a scene and there's a misdirection of like, Oh no, you think it's this character's going to die, but it's someone else. But it's like already so clear that this guy is planning on killing himself on the road. Like before death even shows up, I'm like, I can't believe she got in a car with a guy who's about to commit suicide by cop or some shit. And then, like, death shows up and it's supposed to be this, like, oh, no, Lana's going to die and he's going to shoot her. But it's like, it doesn't work because it's very clear that he's just going to kill himself. Like, they tried to do the twist. They tried to do the cool thing. But they already fumbled the character so much that, like, the setup almost doesn't read as a setup. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, the structure is there that if it was a proper Grim Reaper, there would be something there. But they fumbled it's so hard that it's just lip service to the concept of a grim reaper yeah yeah wow. pretty much um but just um make up your own conclusions in your mind of how um lana would end up back at briarcliff after um having a car accident with a suicidal man and escaping threadson's house which is nowhere near uh briarcliff so, um yeah. and well. uh she survives that and ends up at briarcliff just m- come to your own conclusions i guess i have <laughs> there are none that work. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so anyway, remember when Jude had a, that guy Sam, the Nazi hunter, and he's like stabbed in the mirror, and he's like, "It's a nun. It's one of yours, or whatever." She goes to call nine one one, but oh, there's a bottle of liquor on the nightstand and a newsstand and a newspaper with the girl that she uh, she ran over. You know, hey, let's. So Mary Eunice implicated that the Nazi hunter was instead uh, looking into her for hitting a girl or something. Ta-da. And that's why she killed the Nazi hunter. That's the idea. But like, it doesn't like work at all. I don't know. I don't know how that would. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't really. That's not how motive works. Yeah. Um, we get like a fully nothing flashback for Jude where it's like 1949 and she's totally wasted. And then her bandmate, because remember, she's a singer or she was, um, knocks on her door and his name is Terry. Not that that's relevant. Um. And she's like, come on in, hot stuff. Uh, and she's all wasted. And he's like, it smells like puke in here. Um, and he's like, here's an envelope with some money. You're out of the band. Um, one of the other band members, uh, his cousin can sing. Remember how the title of this episode is Dark Cousin? We wanted to mention cousins again. Um, his cousin's in the band now. Uh, you hate her. You call her fat. You don't like her. Uh, dark cousin. Get it? Um mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, no, and I'm out of the band. And then she tries to have sex with him, and he doesn't want to. And he's like, also, in that envelope of money, there is a detective's phone number. Uh, the detective wants to talk to you about a hit and run that happened near the club we perform at. Bye. 
Uh, and she's like, ah, shit, that's the hit and run I did. Um, <laughs> and then she takes the money and leaves. Yeah. And then she starts drinking while she's driving away from the drunk driving crime uh, allegations and crashes her car again. Um, and she crashes her car at the nun place. I don't it's I don't know if nun places are called monasteries. Nunnery. Okay. I think they're convent. Convent or nunnery. Yeah, yeah either okay. one works. Mm-hmm. Um that place. She just fully crashes her car in the front parking area. Or not in the front parking area. In the it nun wraps spawner. it around a tree in the nun spawn. <laughs> the nun um, hive, right? Anyway. And none of the nuns seem to really give a shit that there's a lady with a crashed car in front of their um, nunnery. Um, they hive. just kind of come check on her and they're like, hey, lady, are you uh, you good? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and then it's back in present time, and she's drinking again in the room where Sam died. And Mary mm-hmm. Eunice calls her on the phone, and she answers the phone for some reason, and is like, "Hello." And Mary Eunice is like, "Hey, I left you. Uh, I left you some booze and also a knife to kill yourself with." And then that's the end of that scene. Um, and then it cuts to uh, Jude at a diner. Uh, going into the bathroom and having a dream sequence where she washes her hands and then slits her throat, or not her throat, her wrists with the knife that Mary Eunice gave her. Um, and then she decides, like, ah, no, I don't want to do that, actually. And she comes out of the bathroom and Death is sitting in the booth that she was in waiting yeah. for her. <laughs> she just thought really hard about killing herself and that was enough that Death was like, oh, 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 one sec, I want to be there. I want to be there for this one. This one's big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I know that Judas junk, like drunk drove like a hundred times, but this is the thing that's going to get her. Um, and then Jude fully starts having a conversation with her like it's normal. And like, I don't... I don't really know why we get even more Jude lore, but she's like, why didn't you just take me when my fiance uh, left me after giving me syphilis and making me sterile? Um, And Death's like, I don't know. And then that's the end of that conversation. Um, Then two waitresses across the diner are like, hey, that lady's fucking talking to herself in that booth. We should probably check her in. Maybe we should send her to Briarcliff. Yeah. At least there'd be like warm bed and food for her there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like other people acknowledge that they these people are just straight up talking to right. death. Um also Jude doesn't die, so I guess there's that. Um Jude's like, wait, no, I don't want to die. The hit rate for death? It's two, right? Like yeah. she only got two out of everybody. She, yeah. She will get um another one. Before the episode's over, um, <laughs> she'll get one more Uno Mas. Um, but Jude's like, I have one last thing that I want to do, um, and that ends up being that she wants to go um, make amends with the parents of the little girl that she hit with her car. Her name is Missy, um, and she does that. She somehow tracks these people down and goes to talk to them. Um, and she's like, I yeah, I was Missy's Sunday school teacher. I came to tell you a story about your daughter. And I guess she was just going to fucking make something up because she does not know this child. She only hit this child with her car, but she fully gets ready to tell a story about this child. Like she fondly remembers this child in some way. Um, and then the little girl she hit walks into the room now grown up and like in her 20s. And she's like, what the I thought you were dead. And then the the girl, Missy, is like, 
what the fuck are you talking about with the what you mean when I got hit by a car when I was a kid and like yeah if like maybe she just got like hit and like that was the end of it maybe that would be a little more believable but like we see in the newspaper in the previous scene that like this kid got hit by a car and was missing for six days like that's not the kind of thing you um which just forget that happened run, to you <laughs> also if it was a hit and run and she thought she was dead how would they know she was hit by a car if she went missing afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they would just know she was missing. Um, they wouldn't... The whole point is they didn't see who did the car. That's, like, the thing. <laughs> so, like, did this kid get fucking hit by a car and then just was so discombobulated that she wandered into the woods <laughs> for a week and then came out and was like, whew, that was wild. Can't believe I lived through that, even though I'm like five. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> and then as an adult, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that time I got hit by a car and lived in the woods for six days? That was nothing. That's such a nothing thing. Why even bring that up? Um, and um, that's the end of that. Uh, I guess now Jude doesn't have to make amends anymore. So... Because Jude didn't ever follow up on the thing that was, like, consuming her her entire life. Like, she just never was like, I should see if that kid actually died, you know? <laughs> just be <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and then um, Lon- we're back at Briarcliff again, finally, um, because Lana's there now. Um, and Lana sees Mary Eunice and is like, I got to talk to Jude. And I don't know why. I guess because Jude, she thinks Jude's still running the place. But she's like, I got to talk to Jude. Again, it feels like the first thing that she would say would be, Hey, uh, serial killer. We gotta, we gotta get on that serial killer. But no, she's like, no, I gotta talk to Jude. I'm gonna be very vague again. And Mary Eunice is like, Jude doesn't work here anymore. And she's like, no, I gotta talk about Threadson. And Mary Eunice is like, Threadson doesn't work here anymore either. And she's like, no, 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 no. Threadson's a serial killer. And I'm like, you should have led with that. And then Mary Eunice is like, oh, that's crazy. Is he? And then we got like a little snippet of like when that one kid, Jed, was possessed by the same demon and like yelled into Threadson's face that he knows that he's a big fan of. I'm not kidding. He says, I'm a big fan of your work, bloody face. He says those exact words directly to Threadson's face in front of a group of people. He says the words that I say as a bit to like the American Heart Association when they show up in chat and I go, I love your movies. Thanks. I use it. I use your product all the time. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Like that kind of shit to a serial killer, which in retrospect, yeah, that's pretty fun. That demon was hilarious. No wonder he's still funny in, in Eunice. You know, I just wish I wish the demon got to, you know, be goofy more. Yeah, me too. Instead of having like ulterior motives or whatever. Um and so I guess Lana kind of like begs, like, don't let Threadson know I'm here or whatever. Um, and Mary Eunice goes, don't worry. No one knows you're here. And I'm like, what kind of vested interest do you have in making sure Lana doesn't escape? That was Jude's thing. Why do you give a shit? You're like the devil or whatever. Right. It, I guess she um, doesn't want to shut down or whatever, but it's totally, yeah, it totally doesn't make sense. We, all, we also don't know why this demon wants briarcliff to stay in right right. in action but whatever um (laughs) and then mary eunice like walks outside of lana's room and tells frank she's like damn lana says that uh threadson's a serial killer or some shit 
Isn't that crazy? Um, it was Kit, right? And then Frank's like, yeah, also, um, Kit just fucking escaped the police in jail. That's crazy, right? And then as that's happening below them in the body shoot tunnels, um, Kit's breaking into Briarcliff, um, at full speed. He's just sprinting down the tunnel, um, and being chased by the tunnel monsters that we know exist outside of the tunnels. Um, he doesn't seem to care or notice, though, even though they're not being particularly quiet or, like, hiding or anything. They're just fully sprinting after him. Um, then we're back in the kitchen, and Grace is there. And she's not dead anymore because Arden did a good doctor thing and made her not dying anymore. Good for him. Um, He's not as good at saving bread. people as the angel of death. His ratio is still <laughs> not there, but getting <laughs> yeah. there. His stats are, like, slightly better than the Angel of Death. Um, And then the nun's like, okay, well, you can have, like, a little bit of time in the kitchen, and I'll be back in a few minutes. And then as she leaves, Kit walks in and is like, hey, girlfriend, um, I'm getting you out of here. And she's like, sick, that's awesome, let's get out of here. And then a tunnel monster kills the nun. Um, And as the tunnel monster eviscerates the fucking nun... Uh, Kit like gets ready to defend himself and Grace from the tunnel monster, uh, and Frank walks in with a gun, and um, I don't remember if he shoots the monster or if Kit disembowels the monster, but the monster dies, um, and then uh, Frank shoots Grace. Well, Frank shoots Kit, and Grace does the stupid slow motion jump in front of the bullet thing. Um, that isn't a thing that ever happens in real life, uh, where she's like, no, and manages to get between him and the bullet. Do you know it's not reactable? In a world of many reactable things, one thing that is not reactable is a bullet in real life. (laughs) They're like (laughs) super fast. It's like crazy how fast them shits is going. Hit scan. Turns out bullets are hit scan. Um, basically, yeah, (laughs) functionally they're right. They're right, right there. Um, yeah, I was gonna say let's assume it's like a like a nine millimeter. So like what a nine millimeter parabellum, yeah, like four hundred sixty meters a second. You know, so you know, pretty pretty quick. Yeah, crossing <laughs> roughly like may- maybe at best ten meters, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you um, maybe have like a fr- you know half a frame. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> if even that, uh, but Grace takes the bullet and dies. Uh, death is nowhere to be found. She doesn't show up for the time that Grace actually dies. Um, so I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Busy. Yeah. Got other stuff. I got, I got a Peloton class. <laughs> I think and what, what sucks is the implication, too, now that Grace has the choice to die or not, I guess, is just so that, like, now that Kit's back to say, ah, sorry, I'm calling it in, you know? So yeah. I'm glad they didn't at least have it explicitly be that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then, um... That's the end of the episode, is that a tunnel monster is now in the bakery dead. Grace is dead. Um, Kit escaped police custody somehow and is now in Briarcliff. Lana escaped Threadson, got trapped by an incel. He killed himself, and now she's back at Briarcliff inexplicably. Um, Jude didn't actually drunk drive kill a kid. She did drunk drive. Yeah, but but she didn't kill a kid. Um, And... um, a nun died. Yeah. Ta-da! The aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a full-length episode where, like, 
90% of the story is um, people go back to Briarcliff. <laughs> there was uh, there was a death angel. That's it. That's kind of the moral of <laughs> kind, the whole thing. Kind of. She really has a really yeah. poor like success rate. She only got like two people. Yeah, not not good at what she does. Not good at what she does. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, till next time. Um, I I'm not gonna look at the at the. You know what? No, I am gonna look at the episode it's, name. It's Hold written on. right under the notes. I have it right under Is the it? notes. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, I just closed the notes. I'm it's so bad. Un- at unholy it night. Yeah, unholy Get it? night. Like. Like what? holy night, like silent night, get holy. It? like Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Is it a Christmas, Christmas episode? episode I baby? hope so. Christmas it is special. a Christmas special. Yeah. It is. Oh, uh, what do you think? Um, Kit's gonna get dysentery. All right. <laughs> well, till next. <laughs> Syphilis. Yay! I can make. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> well, till next time, everybody. Look forward to unholy night. I guess. <sighs> Bye. And, uh,